Hi everyone, this is Working Title, the podcast where we, for intrepid, handsome, intelligent, and entirely fraudulent reviewers, watch and review IMDb's top 250 English language movies as of November 2019, going from bottom to top. So watch along with us, and... I just want to get my hands on the rubric that Shane grades these movies with. All right, welcome, welcome back to the actual week 12 of Working Title. Uh, this week, we are talking about Rosemary's Baby. Oh, fuck. How are we going to introduce ourselves this time? People I wouldn't be in a hot tub with. No. I know exactly <laughs> where that's leading. <laughs> we made it 40 seconds. <laughs> I don't know. I'm Shane. And and there's Mike and Jack and June and we're we're here to talk about a, a movie about family. <laughs> <laughs> the the importance of family. <laughs> and the trials and tribulations of motherhood. <laughs> Alright, so uh welcome back to Working Title Actual Week Twelve. This week we are reviewing Rosemary's Baby, the nineteen sixty eight horror film based on a book of the same name, kind of a common theme. And the uh, third movie of our Elijah Cook trilogy. Before we dig into the movie, let's introduce ourselves. And uh, to learn a little bit more about the reviewers we have in the studio, I'd like us all to share, if we had to give up one baby to one cult, what cult would you give it to? June, you want to go first? Oh, Jesus. (laughs) I'll go first. I think I would give up a baby to the Flat Earthers. They're in need of a messiah. (laughs) June? <laughs> Let me Google some cults real quick. <laughs> What's the one uh, in Waco? <laughs> I give it up to the Waco cult. Mike? Um, my cult of choice would be PETA. Gene, <laughs> what do you think? I, this is... I, I don't even know. What about sugar cult? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we also have June. So, oh, sorry, I'm not. I'm not up on my cults. <laughs> Would you give it up to like a, a zoo in Oklahoma full of tigers? I mean, I don't think that's going to be relevant once everyone forgets about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rosemary's Baby, 1968 film. As we may have mentioned, film about family, um, about a man and a woman and their child. And how it really takes a village to raise a child. Or in this case, a satanic apartment building. Oh, I I get it. It's a cult film. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this this cult classic. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now, before we really dive into the meat and bones of this film, why don't we have Mike give us an overview of what happens? Sure. Um, this is a movie about the importance of contraceptives. <laughs> you got a lot of themes in this movie. <laughs> no, as, as you kind of summed it up pretty well, it's it's a movie about a young couple that moves into a upscale New York apartment in the uh, 1960s where they end up becoming involved in some satanic rituals. I want to know how they afford that apartment. Well, I too need to make a deal with the devil in order to afford a New York apartment. <laughs> yeah, as as an actor who does off Broadway plays, he can afford an upscale apartment. 
Isn't that all of New York? <laughs> I'm calling bullshit on all of that. Well, it's it's a good thing you call bullshit on that, Shane, because that's one of the central questions of the film. It's really the the biggest plot hole in the entire thing. All right, well, it sounds like we're going to have to explain this movie to Shane again, but let's let's get rolling on the summary. Sorry, I have an overall question for the group. Like my my parents were immigrants, so I I don't have a good lens on this, but did people like actually talk like this like in the 60s and and or before? Do your parents, do your do your parents and grandparents like like do they all talk like this? <laughs> I hate to break it to you, Jim, but I wasn't alive in the 60s either. I mean, is it, is it like a holdover or did your like, you know, <laughs> did your does your grandpa like change accents <laughs> at, in the 90s or something? At some point in the in the 1990s, everybody agreed to stop talking like that. <laughs> he does talk very bluntly, like, "Yep, she's dead." Okay, officer. <laughs> no, even the <laughs> the the officer part's one thing, but when she goes into the apartment and she says they're talking about the old lady who lived in the apartment. Well, I'll just I'll, I'll start with the uh, what's going on in the very beginning of this movie. So it starts with this this couple who are uh, viewing an apartment in New York City who that belonged to an old woman who passed away recently. Um, the apartment still has all of her old furniture, has everything in it still while they're doing this kind of walkthrough. And uh, they they get it for like a really good price. Um, so this young couple moves in. Uh, the very beginning is just really them kind of moving all their stuff and setting up their new life in this apartment. But they start hearing weird cultish noises coming through the wall at night. Their next door neighbors is an older couple as well that knew the original tenants. And they are introduced to them, I guess, after one of one of their, their the older couples live in, I guess you'd say that she's kind of like a charity case. Like they found this woman on the street and she she commits suicide by jumping out the window. Uh, due to the suicide, the older couple meets this new young couple that just barely moved in, and they become kind of friends and uh, start having like dinner parties and getting to know them. Uh, the husband really takes to them, and uh, Rosemary, the main character, uh, becomes pregnant through some strange means. That's uh, strange means is one way to put it, but. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Before we get into the the meat and bones of this, I do want to say this uh, this is part of a trilogy within the films we've reviewed, uh, along with The Killing and The Maltese Falcon, and that these three movies are all tied together by the presence of Elijah Cook Jr. I was like, I, I saw his face and I was like, that's that dude, yeah. but, I did, but I didn't believe it, so I had to look it up. Oh. Which one was he? The guy showing the house, right? Yeah. Oh, I knew I, knew I recognized him. You know, it's funny when, they, when they're showing the house that she's talking about the old lady who used to live there. And Rosemary says, like, did she die in the house? Not that it matters. <laughs> He's like, no. And they're like, oh, thank God. So during the house showing, they make a big point of, like, uh, showing a giant piece of furniture. Um, I think they call it, like, a secretary or something. Mm-hmm. But it's like, he's like, there's a closet behind there. I'm sure of it. And they, they move the furniture out of the way to reveal the closet. And obviously that's a little bit of foreshadowing that there's something fucked up in that closet. But I was thinking the original placement of the furniture was terrible. How did they even open it? <laughs> I mean, just the layout of this whole apartment is... It would have taken up the hallway. Also, I gotta say, why the hell were there holes in the ground for like the, the legs of the furniture? 
Is that common? Do you like drill holes in your floor? That thing is permanently there for the rest of the time you live there. Earthquake proof. <laughs> well, maybe when you have a satanic cult across the closet from your apartment, you'll be putting furniture in the way too. <laughs> well, and not only that, she finds that that letter or that note that says I cannot associate anymore or something. That that apartment just screamed haunted. And the fact that the real estate agent was freaked out the entire time. <laughs> He's like, oh, how how could this have gotten here? Like this man for trying to sell this apartment really didn't sell it very well. <laughs> was he in on it? No, I don't think he was. It, I I don't know that it's answered. I mean, he was kind of a. He wouldn't have hidden the. He wouldn't have tried to like intentionally reveal the yeah. closet if he was. Maybe he he was kind of a peace character. He he bounced pretty quickly. I don't know if he ever came up again. I mean, he was obviously there was a closet behind. It. You could see the top of the door. Yeah. Yeah. It's just these people are oblivious. That apartment I would have looked at for 10 seconds. And as soon as I saw a letter saying, like, kill me, I would have been like, hmm, <laughs> guess we'll keep looking. If that old lady was in the hospital for a couple of weeks before she died, as it uh, kind of glossed over that. But the old lady, the the, the real estate guy said that she had been in the, uh, the hospital for a couple of weeks and died at the hospital. Um, all of her plants were, like, still doing well, like, super healthy. Like, somebody must have been going and watering them. It's the real power of Satanism. <laughs> They're probably Tannis root. But uh, you glossing over the fact that it was haunted is right, because when they were down in the laundry room, when Rosemary met the, uh, I don't remember that girl's name. She was the girl that had the uh, the, the Tannis root charm around her neck, mm-hmm. um, which I had to look up what Tannis root is. Apparently it's only in this film. It's made up for this film, um, but it's a demonic uh, root that stinks. Well, that's what like cued me off in the beginning is when it when her friend this is skipping ahead a little bit, but it, it ties in. Um, when he's talking about the anagram, I thought he meant Tannis root, and I was like, oh shit, that means it's spelled T A N A S, Satan. Oh shit. Oh goddamn. Yeah, that's what I thought. I didn't know the title of the book was the anagram. Oh, I thought wow. the root. It, it also wasn't the title of the book that was the anagram. Yeah, yeah, but that cued me in. Oh, good stuff. That's a good point, but uh, so I, I I looked it up as well, and I think it's a it's a reference to Mandrake from Harry Potter. Yes, but it's also a real thing um, <laughs> from Harry Potter, but also from the world. Yeah, so it's like uh, Mandrake is a like a toxic plant, and uh, they they said that the root was the root would cry as it's like pulled out of the ground, and then kill you and ensure you get a ticket to hell we've all seen harry potter yeah we've all seen that documentary yeah (laughs) before we dig into the the satanic shit i do want to like spend a minute discussing like their relationship and setting the stage uh so this is uh rosemary of course uh to whom the baby belongs the the baby of the title and her husband guy and (laughs) his name is guy (laughs) yeah (laughs) that guy (laughs) this dude is an asshole and uh oh man there's all kinds of so okay so as you astutely pointed out shane how so he's a down on his luck actor they get this apartment you know they get a great deal because someone just died in it which i guess not much has changed about new york apartments since uh, 1968 (laughs) um but he starts becoming more and more successful too they want to have a baby but he doesn't want one until uh, he's more established in his career. But the biggest thing I want to highlight is this dude is just a dick to 
Rosemary constantly. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And did you see the way that he undressed when they were like when they first moved in and they're sitting on the floor <laughs> oh, eating yeah. dinner? And then she's like, "Let's make love." And he like rips the light out of the fucking socket, like just like rips it out of the wall. <laughs> and then just like doesn't say a word, just starts undressing himself like an animal. Like he lays on his back and he's just like throwing shit across the room, struggling to get his pants <laughs> off. Like <laughs> I thought the movie's going to be about her taking care of that child. <laughs> Anyway, so they have their neighbors who are kind of kind of doting, kind of old, uh, like them. But Rosemary finds them to be kind of a nuisance, I guess. Um, but Guy takes a liking to them and hangs out with them a bunch. Um, I think that's just a, a, a detail that's worth mentioning. He- yeah, that becomes important later. Yeah. Right. yeah. I have a theme of notes that, like, what I really liked about this movie is it's it's... I don't know if self-reflexive is the right term, but there's a lot of little like references that were that were really cool. I thought um, the first one of which happens in the laundry room, like you said, she, they, she meets uh, this girl. Her name is uh, Terry mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. film, and so Rosemary kind of like looks over at her and she notices, and you know, she's basically like, "Can I help you?" And she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I thought uh, I thought you were Victoria Vetri, the actress." And uh, I was like, I've heard that name before, and it was when I read the cast for this film, and that was actually Victoria Vetri. Oh. Ha. Wait, what? So she referenced herself? No, so uh, Mia Farrow's character, like, awkwardly looks over at her, and when she notices, uh, Rosemary is like, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were Victoria Vetri, the actress. And uh, she, she replies like, oh, no, I get that a lot. And it she just, is. She actually was the actress Victoria Vetri. Mia Farrow just forgot her line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that in that that same scene though, going back to that place being haunted and really nobody really paying attention to it. Like something breaks while they're oh, talking yeah. to each other, and both of them like jump and then don't go look to see what it was. They just go back to their conversation. Like, wow, this place is spooky. <laughs> People die. Furniture moves nothing to worry about here we'll just do laundry together i like also when so back on uh terry um you mentioned she kills herself right yeah so it's it's kind of the big like turning point um where it's really shoved in your face that everything's wrong but like so she was taken in by this old couple like off the street with a drug problem they help her overcome addiction. It's implied that they basically raised her, right? And uh, when she lawn darts into pavement from their window, they just seem minorly inconvenienced. <laughs> and nobody bats an eye. <laughs> like, oh, she was probably just cleaning the window. And <laughs> The old guy's like, I knew this was going to happen. She gets depressed now and then. I mean... I, I kind of feel like a lot of the acting was to put it to put it a little generously understated. <laughs> I mean, on a on a scale from like you know negative a hundred to a hundred of emotional range, I don't think anyone you know strayed any more than a ten. <laughs> <laughs> this was essentially a nineteen forties film in color. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well put. So oh, sorry, I got one more thing. You know, you know, it was like creepy was uh rosemary and guy uh they're the Woodhouses. when they have dinner with the cadavets the old couple for the first time uh roman 
is like, I've been everywhere. Like, go ahead and name a place. I've been there. And the first place that they name is Fairbanks, Alaska. And I have a problem with that. <laughs> Having just moved to Fairbanks, Alaska, I don't appreciate coincidences to my life in horror movies about Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Like well, I've, seen, I've seen The Matrix. I know what happens next. Well, you know, June, he did say he's been everywhere. So really, it's everywhere. That's just the place they happen to name. <laughs> I, don't I like guess it. what I'm saying is no one is safe. And <laughs> what a lame choice, though, because they choose a major city. <laughs> Fairbanks is a major city? I would have said, like, <laughs> Hastings, Nebraska. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I haven't been there. Yeah, no shit. No one has. <laughs> I just made that up. so to uh carry for a little bit she does get preggers under unusual circumstances so first of all uh guy decides that he's ready to have a baby and so they just set a date in which they are going to uh conceive which to my limited understanding of the world is not how it typically works you don't just pencil it in and say all right as of Thursday, you'll be pregnant. I think they're going off of her cycle. Did they know what those were in 1965? I mean, it was satanic, but they knew. <laughs> the moon was in accordance. They just had to book the stork to come in. And... <laughs> That's pretty awesome, though, to be like, I'm going to get you pregnant on the 9th. That works. <laughs> <laughs> are you good? Are you free the 9th? <laughs> Yeah, so she and uh, Guy are having drinks, and she passes out, is unconscious, and has this weird vision dream thing where all of their neighbors naked, including her husband, uh, yeah, they're all naked watching her on an altar as some kind of demon rapes her, which is pretty horrifying. And she wakes up the next morning with, like, scratches all over her, and... Also horrifyingly, her husband was like, oh yeah, my bad. I'm going to clip my nails. I didn't want to miss baby night, which right? is also Jesus. a what the fuck moment. What's what's what the fuck about that thing is like Rosemary just is like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yikes. Anyway, so that is how she gets pregnant. Um, so, I mean, obviously we are out of like the undertones of horror at this point and into the overtones of horror. <laughs> So, I have something to say. Uh, that dream that she had, the the boat dream, was that at the same time as the naked orgy? The boat dream? Remember, like, the boat captain, and she's floating on the water? Yeah, he says, like, you better get down there. What was that all about? Is Satan known to, like, boat captain from time to time? I think the symbolism was that going down below the decks was hell. Okay, and she's lost at sea? You know, like the river sticks and there's a oh. lot of boat themes to hell. See, I was trying to make the connection. I could not for the life of me. I mean, I may be reaching, but that's what I assumed. Yeah, I didn't get a strong read on like direct connections to the symbolism there. Um, there were a few notable things. Like on the way in, she passes what looks like a burning church. Uh, which will come up again later. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think there is a, a correlation. Okay, so let's take a quick step back. Before this happens, uh, Minnie Castavet 
brings them chocolate mousse as just like, a, oh, I made extra, have some, right? And uh, Rosemary is complaining that hers has like a chalky undertaste, whatever that word means. I don't think that's a <laughs> word that real people use. <laughs> she does not eat all of it. She discards it, which is also kind of weird and disgusting and slightly implausible in that she just dumps pudding from this cup into a napkin <laughs> in her lap. <laughs> And just covers it up. And her husband's like, oh, did you like it? And she's like, yeah, I ate it all. Well, she's got like this giant white napkin filled with pudding in her lap that she is hastily covered up. Um, So I did not find that plausible. Um, (laughs) However, what I suspect is that, uh, you know, of course, that chalky undertaste is strongly implied to be whatever uh, drug has sedated her or knocked her out. And if she didn't eat it all, then she probably uh, was not intended to remember any of the experience. Or... That's right, because she like was like awake halfway through it. Yeah, and um, I think some of the the weird uh, satanic vision is her moving from. I mean, I guess at this point we're spoiled. Like we've made it pretty clear that the neighbors are are bad people. So I think a lot of that vision is in a, a literal sense her um like perceiving being moved from one room to the next mm. so i mean i think it was a little more spiritual uh, I, if that's the right word because like they're they're very clear one of the guys in the room are is like she's still awake like she's gonna remember and they're like no like if she ate all the stuff then that was that was her husband guy oh yeah yeah um so yeah, I mean you're I think you're absolutely right. Like she was supposed to have eaten all of it and been completely sedated, but only ate a few bites and therefore was semi coherent through it. Yeah. I just like how she hides it instead of just saying, No, I'm not gonna eat the pudding, it's gross. Like I thought the same thing, but then once we get the big reveal at the end, uh that became more clear of why did you see the way he ripped that cord out of the wall? That guy obviously is a wife beater. Like, she's scared of him. <laughs> oh, he has not had, like, a single redeeming quality this entire time. Well, I think in the beginning he was kind of likable. They they seemed like a, you know, a, a hip young couple. His his uh trans, transition to complete asshole occurs just after they meet him. Well, he's, he starts to become more successful after the whole ritual happens. Um, right, with the guy that goes <laughs> blind and gives him the part. <laughs> I think I think that's a segue into the next section, yeah. yeah. Yeah, let's tell us what happens next, Mike. After this point where we see uh, Rosemary become pregnant, Guy starts to become more successful in his work. Um, also, Rosemary starts to experience a lot of pain uh, in her pregnancy. She's complaining about it, and her neighbors, the older couple... What are, their, what are their last name again? Roman and uh, Minnie. What, what is their last name? Castavet. Castavet. The Castavets. They recommend a doctor for Rosemary and they call him up. Apparently he's a family friend and he's not going to charge her for for his time. Uh, so Rosemary moves to this new doctor. This new doctor says, get rid of the pills, get rid of the vitamins, start drinking this special drink every single day. And the Castavets keep making it for her, bringing it over and giving it to her. And Rosemary continues to complain about these pains. And the doctors just tell her, oh, it'll, it'll go away after time. Um, so throughout all this, uh, Rosemary is continuing to drink alcohol and do things that are essentially not good for being a pregnant woman. 
um, having parties, some friends come over and they talk to her and they find out that she's in pain and they advise her to go see a different doctor. Um, Rosemary talks to Guy and says that she wants to get a second opinion and Guy like loses his mind. He gets super <laughs> angry at her. But Rosemary then stops feeling the pain. And so she continues to drink this drink throughout her pregnancy um, until the point where things start to kind of like not line up with her. She starts to kind of figure out that something's wrong here. Like she's been being dosed with something and she um, tries to run away to find a, a different doctor's opinion. And she makes like a little like getaway bag. It's it's a bag she made up for going to the doctor to deliver her baby, but she uses it to try to go and see uh, a different doctor. Um, and she's trying to explain to everybody that she can talk to that she thinks something's going on. She thinks that there's uh, a plot against her. And the original doctor that she was seeing suddenly goes into a coma and uh, dies a couple of weeks later. Um, when he dies, she gets a book that was left behind for her that has to do with witchcraft. And that there's the he leaves like a, a, a he like comes out of his coma right before he dies just for a brief moment and says that there is an anagram in the on the title of the book, uh, which I think Shane was talking about earlier. And uh, turns out through this anagram that. Uh, these people that are in her apartment building are actual cultic cult cultists uh, doing some satanic rituals on her. Um, yeah. So just a, a quick note. So the person who dies is her friend Hutch, who I don't know that we ever really see much of in the film. Right. He's an author, right? Or something like he writes yeah. adventure novels or some shit. Yeah. And I guess he warned them against moving into the Bramford um, at the beginning. Oh, that's right. Dr. Hill doesn't uh, doesn't die or anything. We can talk about her interaction with him in a minute, but... Oh, it was a different person? See, I yeah. thought they were the same dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's left ambiguous who uh, what the anagram is. It's just somewhere in the book. And eventually she realizes... So this book is a history of um, like Satanism and witch covens. And uh, it talks about an immigrant to the United States who's a, a famous Satanist and... Uh, she deduces that Roman Castavet, uh, her neighbor, is uh, anagram for Stephen Marcato, who is the son of the prominent Satanist. Another detail that kind of comes together um, is that she sees an image of uh, Stephen Marcato's father in the book. And later on, and maybe even earlier in the film, we see that there's actually a painting of him in the Castavet's apartment, too. Mm, I missed mm, that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, when they were when she was complaining about her her pains, uh, when Rosemary was complaining about her pains, uh, not one of the people brought up the fact that she was like drinking and like people were smoking around her. Like they immediately went to witchcraft. <laughs> it must be witches, <laughs> not your unhealthy lifestyle. She looked like shit, though. I will say, no, like, right? well done on the makeup. Yeah, the makeup was good. Yeah, I don't think it was just makeup. I was watching it with my wife, and we were arguing about... I think she actually lost weight for that part. <laughs> I like how, though, every single person that sees her that's, like, not part of the witches is like, you look like shit! <laughs> <laughs> so that's another one of my notes of, uh, like, self-reflexivity. Um, at some point, her, like, big point of turning insane, I guess, is she cuts her hair super short Yeah. to, to Mia Farrow's, like, signature haircut. She comes in with his haircut all of a sudden, and uh, Guy is like, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> and she says, you know, it's it's Vidal Sassoon. It's very in. And 
for the next like two scenes, there's just people making fun of her haircut. <laughs> her friends are the worst people. They're worse well, than the cast of it. <laughs> and it's it's really funny because uh, in the trivia, like Roman Polanski paid Vidal Sassoon five thousand dollars to cut Mia Farrow's hair as a publicity thing. Really? Yeah. So it's like because the book, I guess, mentions Vidal Sassoon. So obviously he's like, I gotta hmm. blow five grand for this really insignificant like thing that doesn't add to the story at all. So is the implication that in film, Rosemary went to this famous hairstylist and got her hair cut? Or copied the style that was at the time, I guess. I don't I don't know. I mean, uh, the only thing worse was she'd been like, no, this is what Mia Farrow does with her hair. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Meta humor. Um, the other reference uh, in this section was the obstetrician that the uh, cast of vets recommend. His name is Dr. Saperstein. Mm-hmm. And I had heard that somewhere. I don't know if you guys picked up, but Dr. Saperstein is also the name of the obstetrician that Henry Winkler plays in Parks and Rec. <laughs> it's amusing. Oh, her friends are just the worst, though. The, the the husband, too, though. Like, one of his lines, she starts, like, getting really, you know, oh, insane. And she's like, oh, I look awful. And Guy responds with, what are you talking about? You look beautiful. It's that haircut that looks awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think a, a prominent part of this movie is that uh, it was she was trying to convince everybody around her that something was wrong and not one person believed her. They just like played it off as her just being hysterical. And she's ghost white, eyes sunken. Like they're like, Oh, you just need a second opinion. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so let's uh let's talk about what happens when she goes to get a second opinion from Doctor Hill. So yeah, so she she goes and calls Doctor Hill's office and begs him to see her. Uh, he agrees, and he she goes and sits down with him, explains the everything, shows him the book, tells him the theories, um, and Doctor Hill says that he believes her and takes her to a room to lay down to rest. Um, during this time, Doctor Hill actually goes and gets Doctor Saperstein and Guy, and they come and. Uh, pretty much take I, I guess kidnap her I don't, I don't know what you call it they they sedate her again and they take her back to the apartment and tell her that she's being hysterical and that you know nothing's happening and what have you I, I have a note on that right there real quick okay like what a weird plot like what kind of coven of witches is like you know, first order of business we must control every OBGYN in New York City <laughs> <laughs> If you want to be a modern day witch, you need to go to school for eight years. <laughs> Don't get me started on witch residencies. <laughs> he failed med school. God damn it, Saperstein. <laughs> Do you know how many people we're going to have to sacrifice to get you to pass this test? <laughs> <laughs> One other note I had was... Uh, I, I really like the, the foreshadowing in this film. Again, like, they're very subtle. Very early on in the movie, Rosemary and Guy are just hanging out, playing Scrabble randomly. And I thought it was really cool that when she gets into this whole anagram business, she, like, pulls out the Scrabble tiles and uses that to... Yeah, it was just, like, a little throwback to that. Yeah, that's really slick. I like that, too. So after after she's brought back to her home... Um, she 
goes into labor and gives birth, but she she doesn't see the baby. She was passed out during uh, the 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 um, giving birth to this kid, and uh, the doctor comes back in after she's woken up and tells her that the baby's dead, um, but she she continues to hear it crying at nighttime through the wall. Um, so she's still can't, I, I guess she's kind of like, um, kind of out of it with the drugs that they've been giving her. And she goes and opens up the closet that was blocked by the, uh, by the dresser and takes a big knife from the kitchen and finds that there's a secret door in the closet that leads into the neighbor's apartment, uh, where Roman and, uh, Minnie live. And, uh, she goes through this door and finds a big cult meeting where there's, I don't know, like 30 or 40 people in this apartment standing around this this big black crib uh, where there's a baby crying. And she comes into the room with this big knife and people just kind of watch her approach this crib. And she opens it up and she like is horrified at what she sees. You don't see it, but it, she, she's saying, what's wrong with its eyes? And Roman says, it, he has his father's eyes. And she says, guy's eyes are normal. And that's where they just like straight up just like like yeah it's satan's baby like satan has <laughs> you know, this is all right jigs up you got us <laughs> for how intricate this scheme is you think you would pick a building without paper thin walls thank you i was gonna say <laughs> they could plan the birth of the antichrist but not how to insulate a building <laughs> why aren't the other tenants and the other floors complaining about this like the people below are just like go to the fucking landlord and be like hey they're 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 culting again up there can you please do something about this <laughs> do you think the landlord has like a form for complaints with just a checkbox for satanic stuff <laughs> also another key to their uh their plot is that she stays in a constant state of being drugged but then they put like the dumbest satanist to like oversee her <laughs> taking the pills so obviously she doesn't also with the breast milk when she puts the spoon in there oh yeah does the metal from the spoon like kill satan or something if they wanted to like make her not suspect anything they just take the spoon out when they leave the room <laughs> i kind of glossed over that for anybody confused during the time when she after she's given birth and she's told that the baby's dead they keep collecting her breast milk because you know they she has to purge it but they're like taking it away somewhere else which we now know is to feed uh the baby yeah so couple things saperstein comes in and is like i'm sorry you know your your baby didn't make it and guy is pretty much in the next moment well we'll make another one but oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even saperstein's like oh you can get pregnant again don't worry <laughs> <laughs> and guy's like okay so i know the baby died but NBC wants to hire me. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is where we find out that Guy is, like, the biggest of assholes. And uh, it becomes pretty clear that, you know, he literally made a deal with the devil kind of thing, right? So um, I'm not wrong in that he wasn't originally, like, part of the coven, right? No, no. No, I think uh, he made friends with them and they kind of looped him in. Yeah. But, like, holy shit. It's like the shittiest mob deal ever. Like, they approach him and is like, look, I understand you're some kind of actor. You know, like, what if I told you I could get you that part you auditioned for? All we need in return is the Prince of Darkness is going to rise from the depths of hell and rape your wife. <laughs> Nine months later, bada bing, bada boom, God is dead and you got an Oscar. <laughs> he, didn't, 
He didn't even hold out for like, no, I want a movie. He's like, yeah, I want a part in this off-Broadway play. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick of Yamaha commercials. <laughs> well, I mean, I could probably have got him a part at that local play for a lot less. Than, you know? <laughs> and after one dinner, like, so we're witches. Uh, we're going to brand you and um, rape your wife. And he's like, well, I mean, this seems legit. Also, the the cast of it's like they're into the deal, too, is just kind of weird. They spend like a lot of scenes talking about how fertile his wife is. And I guess that's the only criteria they need. (laughs) (laughs) So Terry wasn't fertile is what I came to understand. Guess so. Yeah, another note. So as she um, sneaks in through this uh, secret closet entryway into the other apartment, which I don't know why that's there. Um, she does look right and she sees a painting of a burning church, which is, I think, the direct tie into the the vision yeah. she uh, or the dream she had. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of little things like that that, that kind of made this movie shine. It was uh, every time they're in their apartment, you, you hear the ticking clock. Mm. I don't know if you picked up on that. There's just constantly a clock ticking. It kind of adds a little ambiance. There was also a great moment where she was uh, looking for when she was about to flee the house for the first time and she was looking around in that closet and it was just like the soundtrack was just like the music from Zelda when you open a chest. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good reference. The little piano riff. Another little thing I like too is how they set up that Rosemary likes to decorate. So then when she goes to the Castavet's apartment, she notices that all these paintings are off the wall and there's missing spaces and stuff. Yeah. Like, she would notice that because she's really into interior design and stuff. You're like, oh, I like that. Yeah, but how did she How did she not notice this the secret passage when she took the shelves out of the, the closet and put the paper on them the first time? I mean, yeah. But also, why didn't the Castavets just lock it? Also, <laughs> why didn't she just take a taxi somewhere else? Instead of like, I know what I'll do. I'll go to a doctor... And instead of just having him check my blood and my baby, I'm going to tell him there's witches after me. Well, obviously, all taxi drivers are Satanists. <laughs> right? She leads off with Dr. Hill. Like, what's he supposed to do? Like, she didn't... I understand you're hysterical, but she's not like, I'm just worried about the baby. Can you do some tests? You know, I don't feel safe with my husband. She's like, nope, there's witches after me, and there's a plot to get my baby. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, Rosemary. Yeah, this comes up a lot, actually. <laughs> ah, witches, you say. Can I see the book? That's New York for you. <laughs> you know, I went to school with a witch. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many there are. You know, every town of a certain size has a witch. Ah, what a reference to Big Fish there. So let's talk about how this wraps up and uh, what, what the finale of this is before we move on and talk about the film as a whole. So the finale is Rosemary goes all the way crazy. She loses it and she accepts the uh, the baby. And she it, the last scene is her rocking the the cradle of uh, her Satan baby. Yeah. So they like offer her the chance to like you could be the mother to the baby. <laughs> you could be the next Miss Satan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my boy. I, I don't know if it's implicit that she accepts it because she kind of looks uneasy, but I, I think it was kind of meant to go either way. But 
Because I thought she, I truthfully thought she was going to take the knife and stab it, and they were all going to be like, no! But, I don't know. Yeah. It, it kind of came together really quick at the end. There. I mean, and the whole thing was that, what's her name? Uh, Laura Louise is just, like, violently rocking this baby. Like, just shaking the crib, like, off the floor. She's like, no, you're rocking it too fast. And Roman is like, well, why don't we let Rosemary rock it? <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay. So... We kind of covered this from front to back. Let's talk about the movie as a whole. Um, gonna be honest, I did not like this one. Not a fan of Satan, huh? The whole movie in general kind of felt like a Hitchcock film. Um, that was I was I noticed that too. Um, I also did read that this film was offered to Hitchcock, who turned it down. Hmm. Um, I was happy to see like when I saw the, um, like the did the little read ahead for the film. It, you know, it's listed as a horror film, which I was like, shit, like, because I hate horror films. But I was happy to see that it was more of that, like, Hitchcock brand of horror. Yeah. Other than, like, you know, like The Grudge. or. Something. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I was expecting Exorcist for sure. I, w- I was, I was, that was exactly, I actually confused this movie. I, I, I've never seen The Exorcist and I've never seen Rosemary's Baby, but I've heard about both. And I thought this was the exorcist from what i thought this movie was actually going to be about yeah and i actually was pleasantly surprised that this was more like a hitchcock film just like you you, mm-hmm. you were saying yeah similarly i was kind of expecting that vibe with it branded as a horror movie um but yeah it kind of turned out to be more of a slow burn and frankly i'd argue it was a slow burn in the sense that like rubbing two sticks together to make a fire is a slow burn <laughs> <laughs> i think one of like one of my sm- small issues with this film is reminiscent of the downfall of most films in the horror genre in that it relies really heavily, I think, on idiot plot. Like, there's yeah. so, so many red flags that Rosemary mm-hmm. just, you know, ignores. Like, the the pain she's feeling with the pregnancy. Like, when she's talking to her friends, they're like, how long have you been feeling this pain? And like, since November. And I don't know what month it is at the time, but it's implied that it's been a very long time. So she's just been dealing with it. Um, when your when your obstetrician tells you to do no research on your own and drink some sketchy <laughs> herbs from your neighbor, like red flag. I mean, I think some of the implication is that in 1965, when the movie is set, it's not like women were particularly empowered and could or you know or were expected to be taking things into their own hands i don't know that it made a a strong statement on that i don't know if this movie came across as like a good commentary on that but i think that is the setting of the movie but i think even with that in mind she is really passive and there's a a good amount of idiot plot you know as you put it why did the so this movie came out in 1969 or 1968 right yeah why was it set two years earlier? Why didn't they just say it was 1968? Um, well, obviously they had calendars for 1965 and they couldn't just buy new ones. <laughs> <laughs> we got a plethora of 1965 stuff. I mean, the film took two years to uh to make, I guess. That film took two years? Vietnam no. was in full f- <laughs> full swing. <laughs> they kept losing actors to the draft. <laughs> the, the book it's based off of was written in 1967, so it's not like 
<laughs> Wait, what? There's a Game of Thrones situation. They're waiting for him to finish the books. <laughs> <laughs> the single book. They start the movie before the book is done. <laughs> this first chapter's perfect. <laughs> oh, we got it all wrong. That's not even Satan's son. I should have asked the author. This movie was like watching a firework that took two hours to go off and you got a pop rock at the end. Okay, so just to take a minute. Okay, so the, the central premise of this movie is that Rosemary gets pregnant and there is something wrong with her pregnancy, right? This movie is over two hours long and it takes about 45 minutes before she even is pregnant. Like we don't even get to the central conflict of the movie until we're nearly halfway in. And I I get that setting the stage is a thing, but not 40% of the movie is just setting up. (laughs) I got it. I got to be honest with you guys. I watch this movie um, as Shane does where I don't, remember half of it because i really wasn't paying attention i struggled to pay attention (laughs) like you guys were saying stuff that i didn't even know happened in the movie oh i i (laughs) was not paying very close attention either i mean you guys were saying stuff that i didn't know happened and i think somehow (laughs) over the course of this podcast we've managed to voltron like a full understanding of the movie together but (laughs) mike's like wait that was the antichrist (laughs) (laughs) But over the course of our conversation, I've actually liked this movie less. Like, my, my initial uh, reaction after watching this was, oh, wow, it was pretty good. But now that I've actually talked about it, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anything else you want to say before we just uh, talk some, some random stuff about movie reception and budget and whatever? I could segue us there real quick. Yeah. Uh, Ruth Gordon who played Minnie Castavette, won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. I don't see how. She in talked in a funny voice that it wasn't, wasn't even like a convincing New York accent. Yeah, I like her performance was not awe-inspiring at all. I, I don't understand. No. All right, so let's talk about the awards this movie did win. So this is um, an extremely well-regarded movie. And I mean, I guess at some point, all of the movies we're going to be watching for this podcast are going to going to be uh, very famous um, or, you know, very, very well-regarded. Yeah, almost universally liked. Uh, Ruth Gordon won an Academy Award. Uh, apparently, Mia Farrow signed on on the promise that she'd be nominated for an Oscar and she wasn't. So that's that's a thing. Um, but yeah, critics loved it. The budget was $3.2 million in 1968 money, which is probably several trillion today. Uh, it brought in 33 million at the box office. So it's financially successful too, but yeah, generally well-liked, very well-regarded. Um, you know, I don't know what the state of horror movies was at the time. Apparently this was a, a stellar example of them. Like we mentioned, Hitchcock is kind of, maybe the uh the pinnacle of the genre at this point in time but it's certainly not quite the landscape it is today yeah so with the critics opinions taken into account there are the opinions of four prominent critics who haven't been considered yet and that's us uh we rank all of our movies uh compared to all the others we've seen as part of this podcast and it's time now for us to state where we think this movie falls in our rankings. June, do you want to start us off? 
Um, I think I'm going to put this movie ninth, which is between Maltese Falcon and The Straight Story. So under Maltese Falcon. Mm. Yeah, and it was there was a lot of like little things that were really cool, like all the references, uh, foreshadowing. It was it was filmed very well, but all those things that I picked out that were like really cool were kind of separate from the actual story or movie as a whole. Makes sense. Shane, where do you put it? This movie, I didn't mind it. I kind of enjoyed it. It kind of like, after seeing a few of these movies, you get a little educated on how directors give away plots and stuff, and this movie gives it away wherever it can. Um, I'm going to say below Touch of Evil, just above The Straight Story. I really fucking hate The Straight Story. Okay. What do you think, Mike? Uh, I don't think it was subtle at all. I think this movie shoved it in your face what was happening from the very beginning. Um, That being said, I think it goes... Uh, probably in the bottom third of my list between Short Term 12 and Sin City. Makes sense. And yeah, I think I'm on the same page here. I'd put it at number 10. There are some good... Uh, it's good at closing up some some loops, uh, some self-references. But overall, it just doesn't feel tight. It doesn't... Like, the storytelling's not tight. It's a very slow burn. Um it's not engaging and maybe of its time it was a great movie, but I'm sitting here as a reviewer um, today and it would be hard for me to recommend this movie over so many of the other movies we've watched already. Um, So I would put it uh, below sling blade for me at spot number 10. Mm. We're pretty consistent across the board. Yeah. I think, I think we came to a consensus on this one. So the final litmus test. Do we recommend that people watch this movie? Shane, you want to go first? Ooh. Um, I'm going to say, yeah, go ahead. See it. It's not, it, it, it's not great. It's not bad. I, I know it makes no sense in how I'm rating anything, but if you give a shit, then whatever. Um, yeah, see it. Mike, what do you think? I'm going to say I went my entire life without seeing it, and I was fine with it, and I don't think that I gained anything <laughs> from seeing it, so no. Gene, what about you? Um, so I actually do recommend the movie. It by no means is like a, a timeless classic like Shawshank Redemption or Space Jam, but it has a <laughs> lot of intricacies that I thought was pretty entertaining. Um, yeah. Yeah. Personally, I would say no. Um, like I said... It's hard to recommend this one over so many others. Maybe if you're really, really into horror movies and want to see the history of the genre, it might be worth it. But otherwise, I don't think it's a great use of 136 minutes. Yeah, well, with that said, I think that uh, covers us for Rosemary's Baby. What movie is up next for us? Oh, shit. Oh, the next movie is 1993's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Ooh, that'll be interesting. Well, we'll see you next week when we discuss that one.